For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. How you doing, Red Sox fans? Welcome to episode 12 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. How are we doing, everyone? Hello, hello, hello. Man, oh man. The Red Sox, we're not playing some good baseball lately. What the heck is going on with the Boston Red Sox? They are just free-falling. A horrible weekend against the New York Yankees. Absolutely obliterated the last couple of games. I don't know what the heck is going on with this Red Sox team. Uh, we're going to break that down. We're going to get into this series. I actually did was not able to go live after the Rays series. We actually got swept in that series. and uh, However, I was not able to do an episode after that series. So I'm not really going to dive too into that. Uh, I'll touch on it a little bit, mainly going to focus on the Yankees series this past weekend in this episode. Uh, we're also going to talk about Chris Sale. Um, man, I, I'm still just in a way kind of shocked over losing Chris Sale. I mean, this guy has just had to deal with so much with his health over the last couple of years. And uh, you got to just feel for the guy at this point. Um, horrible luck yesterday in that game with Chris Sale, his second start back. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But we also had the Major League Baseball draft last night, the Red Sox picking three players. I'm going to dive into their scouting reports, break that down for all of you at home. Uh, but really quick, before I do get into today's episode, I do want to go over the, uh, the sponsor for today's show, and that is Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online. All par our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Here's what you got to do. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So if you deposit 10 bucks, they will give you five bucks. All you got to do is use the promo code believe B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts. We're also partnered over here with SeatGeek. Use my code HIDE. You get 20 bucks off your first purchase. We're at the All-Star break right now. So for those of you looking to go to a game after the All-Star break, go on SeatGeek. Go see if you can find, uh, find yourself a deal and use my code HIDE. You get 20 bucks off your first purchase. And don't forget, we are partners with Prize Picks as well. If you've been using DraftKings, 
any other sports betting websites. Go give prize picks a chance. Uh, you're going up against the system. You're playing over-unders over there. And uh, go see if you can win yourself a few bucks. Use my code GINGER. They will give you a 100% deposit match. So if you deposit 10 bucks, they will give you 10 bucks. So go check it out and see if you can go win yourself a few bucks. But let's get into today's episode uh, again. Just a bummer of a weekend, honestly. It's weird because we had the draft last night. That was pretty exciting. But, you know, coming off of just a horrendous series with the Yankees. Um, and, and just coming off of just a really bad stretch of baseball as well, it feels a little doom and gloom right now in Boston. I wouldn't say the season is completely lost at this point. Um, I'll get into some bright notes as well with this team. And, uh, I'll talk about the trade deadline coming up. I mean, we're only what a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. I think we're exactly two weeks away from the deadline. So we're going to dive into that just a little bit and, uh, in just a little bit and, um, whether or not I think the Red Sox, should sell? Should they buy? Should they stand pat? Should they maybe do a little bit of everything? I'll get into that in just a little bit. But let's talk about this Yankee series first. Uh, you know, it got off to a pretty good start over the weekend. You know, they're coming off of the sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays. I almost got myself a ticket to one of those games, and I'm glad I didn't because the Red Sox just looked absolutely pitiful in that series. Just Bad baseball around. Every time they go to Tampa, I don't know what it is with the Red Sox, man. They just cannot figure it out in Tampa, and it, it kind of drives me insane. I don't know why Tampa is just like this kryptonite for the Red Sox. Tropicana Field, they just can't seem to win. But coming off of a sweep, they get a big win here. The Yankees jumped out to a uh, – if we go well, actually, if we go back to the first inning, the Red Sox that got off to the two nothing start. John Carlos Stanton had the big homer to answer back there. Christian Vasquez, Bobby Ball, uh, Bobby Dahlback had some home runs as well. Um, and the Red Sox in the end ended up winning this game thanks to uh, Xander Bogarts scoring on the wild pitch there from Michael King in the end. And it just felt like a pretty good competitive game. Felt like a playoff game almost in a way, uh, going into extra innings, tight game all the way through. We did see a couple of guys come back for the Red Sox in this game. We had Nathan Evaldi get his first start back after being out for a little while. He went four and a third, gave up six hits, three earned. Not his best performance overall, but for coming back after missing, uh, what, like three or four starts, I think for Evaldi, hey, you know what? I'll take it. So, we also had Garrett Whitlock in this one as well, uh, coming back for the first time in a little while. Had a couple innings, three strikeouts. He actually looked really good in this game. Garrett Whitlock back to the bullpen. I think that's going to be very beneficial for the Red Sox down the stretch. Um, I think they're going to take care of starting pitching in other ways. To me, I personally think Garrett Whitlock should be in the bullpen. I think he should be the Red Sox closer for years to come. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, sure, I know you, know, you got to maybe kind of work out the kinks as a starter, but I feel like with Whitlock, I don't know, just seeing how dominant he was out of the bullpen last year and just seeing how good he was out of the bullpen this year before becoming a starter. I think Garrett Wedlock, man, this is a guy, this this is your closer for the next how many years? That's just how I feel about it personally. Uh, let me know in the comments what you think down below. Also, we are live here on YouTube. If you are listening to this on your favorite uh, favorite place where you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple, uh, we are always live here on YouTube. I do the show live and then I upload it uh, to all of the podcast networks out there. So uh, make sure you come out here. Uh, 
on the YouTubes if you want to see my potato of a face. But uh, moving on to game two here, this is where the Red Sox just completely started falling apart. The, com- the train just went off the rails here. The Yankees just absolutely obliterated the Red Sox in this one, 14-1. to The Red Sox only got four hits in this one. Nick Pavetta, you always feel good about Nick Pavetta taking the mound, but he just got absolutely rocked. Four and a third, seven earned, two home runs. Matt Carpenter was huge in this series. Aaron Judge, absolute piss missile off Nick Pavetta in this one. It just felt over after the first inning after the Yankees scored four runs there. Jamison Tyone for the Yankees looked extremely good. Six innings, two hits, one earned. Um, It was just all Yankees in this one, man. I mean, there's not really much else to say. They just absolutely clobbered the Sox here. And then going into game three yesterday, uh, another uh, just incredible offensive performance from the New York Yankees in this one, 13-2. It was 3-2 after the third, but it felt like it was like 10-2. At that point, I don't know what it was. It just felt like the Red Sox were just on the verge of just getting smoked. I don't know. I I just had that feeling. I've watched this team for many years. And even though like we're maybe only be down by like a run or so, it just feel, I don't know what it is. It just feels like the the game is going to be over. And, and the Yankees, of course, in the fourth inning, just go on to score eight runs there. Um, I just saw it coming. I don't know what it was. I, I just have this instinct or I just don't feel good about things to come. And uh, that is exactly what happened in this game. But the story of this game wasn't the Yankees scoring 13 runs. It was Chris Sale. Wow, I just lost my voice there. It was Chris Sale. Uh, My goodness, man. My goodness. he, He was looking a little rough in the beginning there, but... He was starting to do a little better as the as he was getting a little further into his start. But then Aaron Hicks came up, line drive, right off the dude's pinky finger. Holy cow! What when? As soon as it hit him, I I just thought, oh no, that that's bad. And but then it it was confirmed to me that it was really bad because Chris Sale, you don't ever see Chris Sale just get off the field in a hurry, man immediately he just walked off the field he's like he, he put his hand up he's like nope I'm done I'm done because when you saw his finger it looked completely bent it, it just looked completely dislocated it was he just knew right away like yep I'm not pitching anymore so um especially a guy like Chris Sale who's just such a competitor out there when he just gets off the field in a hurry like that you know it's pretty bad and uh immediately when you saw it on the camera they were zooming in on it it just, it was bad. You just knew it was, it was over. It was a broken finger. As soon as you saw it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's broken, man. So, uh, horrible luck for Chris Sale, man. This is a guy that had Tommy John a couple of years ago, uh, just came back from it last year coming up, you know, coming into this season, had something going on with the rib there. He finally made his way back. And then it, it's just one thing after another with Chris Sale. And, uh, of course, uh, the most surprised or the most frustrated guy that is not surprising to me here is Chris Sale himself. Uh, he goes on to say here, there's an article in New York Post where he gave some quotes here. Uh, it's very frustrating. Um, elbow surgery for a pitcher is not uncommon, right? That happens with the job, with what we're doing. We deal with that. Some of this other stuff, you think, why me? Uh, hopefully, and then Alex Cora talked about it as well. Hopefully it's nothing that's going to take him out for a long, long time. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. 
Chris Sale then went on to say, I just want to do my job. I just want to play baseball. I've had so many things take that away from me. It sucks. It's par for the course. Honestly, think about my timeline. It's been expletive after expletive after expletive, uh, just more expletive to deal with. This is uh, this is a family-friendly show here. I will not curse on this show. Uh, what can you do? Everyone gets knocked down. It's how you get back up. It's where I'm at again. Get back up. Dust yourself off. Clean up. Get back to it. So um, no surprise here to see that the most frustrated man in the building is Chris Sale himself. I mean, this guy, you know, he pitched down the stretch last year for the Red Sox. Looked pretty good. Pitched in the playoffs for the Red Sox as well. Um, but you just want to see this guy, he's getting, you know, he's getting paid big bucks over here. He just wants to fulfill that contract and he wants to go out there and compete. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, this guy, he just can't seem to stay away from just getting hurt. I mean, this one was a freak accident. I mean, this is something that he just, he couldn't control this one. It just happens. Um, but with Chris Sale right now, the timetable for his return is a little up in the air. So uh, he is thinking, he was saying himself could be maybe like four to six weeks. He's going to see a specialist today in Boston. Uh, hopefully we get some good news out of that. And hopefully it ends up just being a month. Oh, you know, hopefully the best case, that is the best case scenario at this point, you know, probably goes and makes a rehab start or two. And then, uh, and then he can be back for, you know, maybe end of August, September or so. So I definitely think it's not completely doom and gloom with Chris Sale. I could definitely see him coming back for September. But then again, how are the Red Sox going to be looking at that point? Well, the Red Sox just want to say, all right, you know what? Just throw this season out. Let's come back. Fresh start next year. And uh, we'll have to wait and see just how this ends up going. For the Red Sox as of right now, for the Red Sox as of right now, this is crazy to look at the standings because the Red Sox not too long ago were the top wild card team. Now the Red Sox are out of the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, they're completely out of it. The Red Sox 48 and 45 at the moment, two games back of the third wild card spot. The Seattle Mariners are red hot. I picked the Seattle Mariners team before the season to get to the playoffs. I'm not surprised that they have completely turned around their season, but the Mariners have completely just vaulted themselves into the second wild card spot. They're a game back of the Rays for the first wild card spot. So or no, sorry, they're a half a game back of the Rays for the first wild card. And the Blue Jays, hey, firing Charlie Montoyo. They're starting to look a little better lately. They won a few straight games going into the break. So, but the Red Sox right now, they are free-falling, man. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're 5-12 and 12 in the month of July. They've lost five out of their last six series. They split with the Yankees in the middle there um, when they were at Fenway, but... They haven't won a series in what feels like forever. They were winning series left and right at one point, and now it just feels like they can't win a series. So um, they're going into – we were hoping yesterday you could get a win there in Yankee Stadium. You know, even though they haven't been playing great baseball lately, you were hoping that they could go into the break with a series win, and uh, the complete opposite happened. Just everything just went down the drain. So I don't know. Red Sox going into the All-Star break. Not feeling very good. But if we go take a look at Fangraphs, Fangraphs as of right now, they are still giving the Red Sox a pretty decent chance at making the postseason. If we go to the playoff odds in uh, or on Fangraphs here, if we take a look here, the Red Sox, uh, while they are behind in the wild card race as of right now, Fangraphs still gives them a 40% chance of making the playoffs. 
I mean, hey, we have seen teams just completely turn things around, and the Red Sox were one of those teams. I mean, the Red Sox, they looked dead in the water at one point, and then they just got red hot there in the month of June. And uh, But now it's like they've completely flip-flopped, and now in the month of July, they're just looking terrible again. So um, it's going to be interesting. But the fact that Fangrass is still giving them a 40% chance, that still gives me some hope, honestly. And uh, we'll have to just wait and see what the Red Sox, how they come out of the gates. It's going to be interesting, man. 48 and 45. I don't know. There's definitely some question marks with this Red Sox team as of right now. If we go take a look at the numbers over the last couple of weeks, the Red Sox offense as a whole has not performed very well. They only ranked 22nd in offense over the last few weeks. So offense definitely needs to start picking it up a little bit. That Rays series, they were having trouble scoring runs. It feels like they're just having trouble scoring runs lately. You had to have Xander Bogarts have a mad dash to home plate to help the Red Sox win the other night. So Xander Bogarts, man, he really stepped it up when it mattered most. And uh, that's what the Red, it, that's what it feels like the Red Sox are doing right now. It feels like they're scratching and clawing and... Uh, but just the offense, they're not they're not banging the ball like we're used to seeing them doing. The starting pitching, absolutely horrendous over the last couple of weeks. The Red Sox starting pitching has not gotten a win in the last two weeks. They're 0-7 over the last 14 games. They're 0-7. They have an 8.38 ERA, a 5.22 FIP, a 4.72 XFIP. Ugh. This Red Sox starting pitching has been absolutely horrendous. And, and, and in all honesty, it's kind of not a surprise. You know, we haven't had Nathan Evaldi. You've been having you know, Rich Hill's been out for a little bit now. You haven't had, you've had guys have to fill in. You've had some spot starters there, you know, Cutter Crawford, uh, Josh Winkowski as well. You know, you can only go so far with guys like that. Yeah, they can fill in here and there, maybe give you a decent start here and there, but that's going to come back to bite you eventually. And uh, the Red Sox, they're thin starting pitching really started to show over the last couple of weeks. And as for the bullpen, the bullpen, uh, it's been all right. I mean, they ranked 19th overall in the last couple of weeks. The ERA is a 4.71, 4.25 FIP. Uh, it's been fine for the most part. Um, I mean, they've had some moments here and there, but I would say for the Red Sox bullpen, they've been getting it done for the most part. They're four and three in the last couple of weeks. So uh, to me, the bullpen is actually... At one point, that was the big big concern for the Red Sox. But now, lately, it's kind of meh. To me, I'm more concerned about the starting pitching. I think the offense is fine. They're going to, you know, they go through other ups and downs. But right now, to me, I think the starting pitching is what the Red Sox need to be concerned about. If we're, I mean, obviously, with Chris Sale out now. That was another thing, too. You know, people are thinking, all right, Chris Sale is going to be back. All right, Red Sox rotation, getting a big boost there. But now he's going to be out for at least another month, so we're going to have to wait and see. Nick Pavetta got absolutely clobbered the other night against the Yankees. I think Nathan Evaldi, he'll get back to you know being Nathan Evaldi. He'll be a solid guy in that rotation. But, I mean, looking at the rotation right now on Fangraphs, it's Nick, it's Nathan Evaldi, Nick Pavetta. They still have Chris Sale here, but he's going to be out. And then uh, Cutter Crawford. I mean, if you go take a look at the IL right now, you got Rich Hill on the IL, Connor Siebold. I don't know if this guy, if we're ever going to see this guy again. I don't know. Don't forget about Michael Waka. He had the dead arm there. Uh, Josh Winkowski, he also went on the COVID-19 list. So, um, you know, the Red Sox, they're just struggling right now with having guys just healthy. And uh, their rotation is looking really thin. You do have Brian Bayo, but I don't know. I feel like Brian Bayo, an exciting pitching prospect, he's just not quite there yet. I don't think he is really going to be a guy that's going to be able to save your season. Um, you got some depth here. Jay Groom did just move up to AAA, but the Red Sox starting pitching is extremely thin right now. 
And uh, that kind of leads into what I'm thinking about for the Red Sox here. Is it time to sell? Is it What are they going to do with the deadline here? And that is going to be really interesting. Now, if you were to ask me, if you were to, you know, just, at, what, Robbie, what do you do at the deadline? If you're, the, if you're running the Red Sox, do you buy? Do you sell? Do you stand pat? What do you do? If you were to ask me, I think personally, I think you should buy and sell. Um, I think for the Red Sox, there's obviously a lot of talent on this team. This is a good enough team, I think, to make the playoffs. But the question is, is this a good enough team to win the World Series? And can are you within striking distance of making a deal? Or if does making a deal put you within striking distance of possibly winning a World Series? I'm going to be honest with you. I think if the Red Sox, let's say the Red Sox went out there right now and they got Luis Castillo, okay? Let's say they got Luis Castillo or someone like a Frankie Montas. I don't think that's enough to win a World Series. I just don't. I feel like this this team has some holes. I feel like the bullpen could use another arm. I like the offense. I think the offense is fine. I think the defense has been pretty solid this year. But to me, I don't think a guy like Luis Castillo puts you over the top. I just don't. Um, I think you have too many. To me, Luis Castillo is not going to fix your rotation. It would help. Absolutely. Luis Castillo. I'd love to have Luis Castillo. If the Red Sox traded for Castillo, I'd rip my pants off. I'd go start doing cartwheels outside. I'd run around screaming like a just screaming at the top of my lungs. My goodness. I would be ecstatic if we got Luis Castillo. But um, I don't think that is going to fix the Red Sox. I think you need at least a couple of more starting pictures. Now James Paxton could be coming back soon. But what do you know? Who knows we're going to get out of him? I don't know. You can't rely on that. Uh, Chris Sale, could he be back in a month? Yeah, sure. Um, but are the Red Sox going to be a good enough team to win the World Series? I would say as of right now, absolutely not. I don't think this team could win a World Series. The way they are right now, no, they're not winning a World Series. Now, if you add someone like Castillo or Montez or you know maybe another solid starter out there. Um, heck, I, I think even, you know, even if you traded for Juan Soto, I don't think that makes you a world series contender i just i don't see it um but i just think uh it's i don't know but i think for the red sox what i think they should do i think they should be creative i think they should be open to deals i think they should try to improve the team if you can right now if you can set let's let let me talk about let me use uh, xander bogarts right if you could have Xander Bogarts in a deal, right? And if that can help your team in the future, but also help your team now, I would not be opposed to it. I, I would not. It kind of reminds me of Nomar. Remember Nomar Garcia Parra back in 2004? Remember that trade with the Cubs? You brought in Orlando Cabrera and Doug Mankiewicz. I think... Now, that was a little different because those guys, they weren't really going to be pieces that would help you out in the future. But I think if the Red Sox had a situation where you could trade Xander Bogarts and if it maybe got you like a cost-controlled pitcher, someone that's not a free agent for, you know, another couple of years, I think that's something to look into. I wouldn't be completely opposed to it because at the end of the day, Xander Bogarts, he's going to go out there and test free agency. There's going to be a lot of teams that are looking for shortstops next year. You got teams like, I mean, they had Baltimore Orioles. I know you got Gunnar Gunnar Henderson there in the minor leagues, but I mean, could they go out there and go get someone like Xander Bogarts? How about the Chicago Cubs? 
Chicago Cubs. They were looking at Carlos Correa in the past in this past offseason. Could they go after Xander Bogarts? Um, there's going to be teams out there that would love to have Bogarts on their team. Um, so I, to me, I think you need to look into trades with Xander Bogarts, but I wouldn't just ship him off for prospects. I would see what kind of a deal. Maybe, yeah, it could land a prospect or two, but also maybe get a, a guy that can help you out at the major league level, maybe like a starting pitcher. Um, at the top of my head right now, I can't think I can't think of a guy right now. I mean, I, to me, obviously, with, with Luis Castillo, I don't think the Reds would want Xander Bogarts. I don't think that, that doesn't make any sense for them. Um, but a team that's in contention that could use another bat, um, if you could get a cost-controlled starting pitcher out of it, I would not be opposed to it at all. I really wouldn't. I love Xander Bogarts. I love me some bogey, but I just think at the end of the day, you got to be looking towards the future, but also don't give up on this year as well. Um, how about, you know, Nathan Evaldi? That's a tough one because the Red Sox need the starting pitching. Um, but again, if a deal does come up where it could help you now and in the future, I would look into it. Um, even someone like J.D. Martinez, you know, I mean, if you go to baseballtradevalues.com, let me actually pull up the Red Sox here. Baseballtradevalues.com. It's the best baseball trade simulator out there. If you are not aware, um, it is absolutely fantastic. They do great work over here. They've had over 300 real-life trades go into this simulator, and over 95% of them have been accepted by their model. So not perfect by any means, but extremely good. But let's go take a look at the Red Sox here. Let's go take a look at some of their values. Um, here we go. So as of right now, we got Bogarts, who has an $18.2 million value as of right now. Could that end up landing you? And Heim Bloom, the one, the one advantage, I think Heim Bloom, if you were to look for a deal with Xander Bogarts, I think Heim Bloom is almost the, the perfect guy for that situation because Heim Bloom is extremely good at finding diamonds in the rough. He could go out there, maybe find a guy that's under control until maybe 2025, 2026, someone that you don't really hear about very often, but someone where if you plug him into the Red Sox system where maybe they can make a few changes and then they end up pushing this guy to the next level. Again, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head as of right now, but I think Heim Bloom would be the perfect man for the job if you were to trade Xander Bogarts I would have confidence that Heim Bloom is going to be able to bring someone back. I guarantee this. If the Red Sox do trade Xander Bogarts, I will say this. If they trade Xander Bogarts, and I guarantee you they will bring back a player, and you're going to be thinking, who the heck is that guy, right? And you'll be thinking, we traded Bogarts for this guy? Like, I guarantee you that's what will happen. But Heim Bloom is extremely good at looking at the deeper analytics, and I guarantee you he will find a guy that could end up helping the Red Sox down the road. Kind of a player that I'm talking about is Nick Pavetta. When they traded for Nick Pavetta from the Phillies, you look, everyone looked at his numbers. This guy has an ERA in the fives. This guy is terrible. I mean, what the, why are we bringing in Nick Pavetta? But look at how good Nick Pavetta's done this year. That is the perfect example that I can think of. Finding a guy like that, someone who has a ton of potential but hasn't really found his footing. That is a guy I could definitely get into. Um, now, another interesting part here. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think this is going to happen. I'm just speculating here. But I wonder if the Red Sox possibly 
look at deals for Raphael Devers. I know that might sound crazy. I know. That sounds completely preposterous. Like, what? Raphael Devers? But the the reports are out there that the Red Sox and Raphael Devers, they have not been able to come to an agreement on an extension, or they're pretty far apart. They haven't been able to close that gap. Could the Red Sox, kind of like the Juan Soto situation, the, if, I mean, think about it, man. Juan Soto, I think Juan Soto is actually further away from, from free agency. Let me pull that up here. I think Rafael Devers is actually closer to free agency than Juan Soto. So taking a look here, Juan Soto is not a free agent until 2025. Rafael Devers, I believe, is 2024. Yeah, 2024. So if the Red so- if if the Nationals are looking to trade Juan Soto, why would the Red Sox not be willing to look into or at least be open to conversation about Rafael Devers? I mean, I'm just saying, and we're talking Juan Soto. I mean, Rafael Devers, he's very good, but he's not he's no Juan Soto. So I would not be surprised at all if you start hearing Raphael Devers' name come up around the trade deadline. I don't think it will happen, but I won't be surprised about it. Hey, man, Raphael Devers, as of right now, this player is going to bring... He would bring in a haul for you. Absolutely would. Absolutely. He has a $60 million value as of right now. The Red Sox could bring in a serious package for Raphael Devers. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. But again, I think you need to proceed with caution there and you should only be looking. If you're going to trade Devers, you need to be bringing in a guy that's going to help you over the long haul, right? Devers obviously can help you over the next couple of years. But you got to be thinking here, Devers is a free agent after next season. So I'm just saying, don't be surprised, man, if you start hearing some phone calls about Devers. I would not be surprised. Um, but that's where I'm thinking with the Red Sox right now. I think they need to be open to deals. And I think don't just sell, don't just sell off the team. I, I don't think that's what you need to do. I think you need to look into ways of being creative. How can you help improve your team now? Or how could you improve your team for the future, but also still help your team now? So I think Bloom will be looking into all possibilities. If the Red Sox are, you know, two, three games out, you know, a few days before the deadline, I think you could see some action here, man. I definitely think you can. So uh, let's shift gears here. Let's get to the last part of our show. Uh, We're going to talk about the MLB draft. It started off last night. And uh, the Red Sox, man, they made a couple of picks here. Uh, Mikey Romero in the first round, Cutter Coffee. Why, why am I having trouble saying that? Cutter Coffee. Because yeah, I, you know what I almost did right there? I wanted to say Cutter Crawford. Uh, Cutter Coffee with their second pick, and then Roman Anthony with their third pick. Mikey Romero was the first round, Cutter Coffee was the second round, and Roman Anthony was their compensation pick for the second round. So, Mikey Romero, let's get into him, shall we? Uh, with Mikey Romero. So I, I was kind of reading maybe some comparisons with Marcelo Meyer, but I actually think, I think I see a bit of a combination with, if you were to compare Mikey Romero, I think there's a bit of a comparison with Marcelo Meyer, but also with Nick York. He kind of shows me, honestly, kind of reminds me of Nick York a little bit more. Um, 
Marcelo Meyer was has just such an advanced hit tool already, you know, coming out of the draft. Um, you just saw a, a guy that was going to be able to turn into a really good hitter and the power you knew was going to come along with it down the road. Marcelo Meyer was a, a special hitter coming out of that draft. Now, Mikey Romero, on the other hand, good hit tool, but there's some things to work on with him. So if we're looking at Baseball America here, they point out that he has a, a nice left-handed swing. That's what also kind of reminds me of Marcelo Meyer a little bit. And it also says here an advanced feel for hitting. He identifies pitches well and frequently gets the barrel to the ball to make consistent contact. Now, where he reminds me of Nick, you're kind of a hard-nosed player. Um, you know, he just loves to play the game. He doesn't mind getting dirty out there. But uh, Marcelo Meyer was kind of more of that smooth player. That's where I see a little bit of both with Mikey Romero. So here's the problem with Romero that they're going to have to work on down there in the farm. He makes a lot of contact, but a lot of the times he gets on top of the ball. So he doesn't, he makes a lot of contact, but sometimes it's not great contact. So that's the one thing they're going to have to work on with him. Um, right now, I mean, he's definitely has a lot of room to fill out. He's five foot 11 and he weighs 168. Just to give you some comparison here, I am also five foot 11 and I weigh 205. So I got a good, what, 40 pounds on this guy. So. He has, a, I'm not saying I'm like a, a great baseball body over here. I'm just saying he, he has at least uh, some room to put on some muscle, put on some strength, put on some size, put on some mass. So Mikey Romero, go to the grocery store right now. Go get yourself, go get yourself a gallon of whole milk, my friend. Uh, go get some protein. We're going to need to start beefing up Mikey Romero. But uh, w and getting back to where I was comparing him with Nick York, the scattering report also says here... Uh, Romero is a mature, mentally tough individual who performed in high-pressure situations while his father battled advanced stage cancer. Um, kind of gives me those Nick York vibes a little bit. And, but again, he, he's smooth like Marcelo Meyer. So um, kind of interesting to see that Heim Bloom went with a, another infielder for the third straight year, Nick York, Marcelo Meyer, and now Mikey Romero. Um, I mean, in the end, you don't draft for need, right? You go with who you think is the best player available. And uh, that's the rule of the draft. You know, you don't ever draft for need. That's just, it's not basketball. It's not football. The, the baseball draft is different. So uh, Bloom liked him the most, but I think there was also some other things here going on. Probably the they feel like they, they could save a little money with this pick. Mikey Romero is ranked 54 on Baseball America, and they selected him with the 24th overall pick. So you're going to be able to sign this guy for less money. So Bloom is looking at it where, okay, we can save some money here, and then for the later picks, we can you know throw a little bit more money at those other picks later on in the draft. Because you got to remember here, you got 20 rounds in this draft. you got a lot of players to pick. So it could end up being where you know day two of the draft, Bloom you know, goes after someone and maybe you could throw a little more money at that guy and, and, and keep him from going off to college. Right. So, but with the Red Sox here, two out of the first three picks, they went with high school prep players. Let's move on to the next guy. And that is Cutter Coffee. And, you know, I'm talking here. Let me pull up here. Cutter Coffee. Uh, so with the first pick, picking Mikey Romero, again, kind of reminds me of Nick York, Marcelo Meyer, but Cutter Coffee. This reminds me of Blaze Jordan from a couple of years ago. This dude has some extreme power potential. He's got raw power, man. This dude is athletic. 
from the right side. He was actually a two-way player uh, in high school, right-hander and a shortstop. Very athletic guy. This kind of gives me vibes of Heim Bloom. Maybe work, you know, when he was with the Rays, because that's what the Rays like to do. The Rays, they went with a huge power potential guy with their pick. Oh my goodness, that dude has raw power, man. Good goodness gracious. But the way the Rays usually like to draft, they like to go with the high upside athletic kind of guys. And that's what Cutter Coffee kind of reminds me of here. If you take a look, if you're with me here on YouTube, has a hit tool of only 40. He's got a 50 power, but that, I think, actually, I would grade that a little bit higher, maybe even 55, 60. Uh, 50 run, he's a 60 in the field, and he's got a 60 arm. So this is a guy that could definitely play some shortstop down the road, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe third at some point. We'll have to wait and see how he ends up doing. But uh, if we're looking at the scouting report on Baseball America, they really rave at how much of an athlete that he is, uh, both on the mound and at the plate. Um, when it talks, I don't think he's going to end up being a pitcher. We did see quite a few two-way players get selected in this draft. I wonder how many of them actually turn into a two-way player. We're not seeing any two-way players, man. We're seeing, you know, Shohei Otani, but I don't know. Are we going to start seeing more of these guys over the next few years? We'll have to wait and see. But as a pitcher, they say he has a good arm, throws 90, 95, has some sink, has a slider, late tilt, uh, it could end up being a really good pitch for him. But as for the offense, so they're, they're saying, well, actually, let's get into the, the defense first. They talk about his arm. They say his range laterally isn't very good. So that's why I wonder if maybe he can end up being a third baseman down the road. But um, we'll have to wait and see on that. So getting into the bat, it says here, Coffee has averaged raw power to his pull side and began making more contact this spring to tap into it, but whether he'll make enough contact remains an open question. At times, he flashes the bat speed, strength, and ability to make adjustments to project to be an above-average hitter, while at others, he takes long, jagged swings that lack timing and balance and invite questions about whether he will even uh, be even a below-average hitter. So, I'm interested to see how they end up going about this. They did draft him as a shortstop. So it sounds like they're not really thinking about this guy being on the mound. But Cutter Coffee has a lot of power potential. He doesn't have that Blaze Jordan power potential. But I think he does. I think Baseball America, I think they're being a little conservative with his power. MLB.com, they talked about... I do tend to trust Baseball America a little bit more, but I've been watching some video on Cutter Coffee, and this dude, he can really get into some, man. I think he could end up being a really good player. He has raw power. So, and especially to his pull side, I'm thinking Green Monster down the road could end up being a pretty fun fit. But uh, Cutter Coffee kind of reminds me of the Blaze Jordan pick from a couple of years ago. Different because he is more athletic than Blaze Jordan. So, We'll have to wait and see, but I think he could end up being a really fun player for the Red Sox down the road. And getting into Roman Anthony. Roman Anthony coming out of Stoneman Douglas High School. Oh, wait, no, sorry. All three of their players are out of high school. I think For some reason, I'm thinking he came out of college. But Roman Anthony, uh, this is a guy he has, an, another guy here with some power potential. With the tools, he has a 45 hit, a 55 power, 50 run, 50 field, 50 arm. So with Roman, they're talking here about 
really the power in his scouting report. Anthony looks the part of a developing young slugger with wide shoulders and present strength that shows up in the form of massive 400-plus foot home runs. Raw power is easily plus, and when he catches a pitch on the barrel, there are a few players in the class who can send a baseball as far as he can. That also reminds me of Blaze Jordan. Obviously, with the, when you think power, you think Blaze Jordan. So uh, with Cutter Coffee, more of an athletic kind of a guy who has some raw power, but Roman Anthony, they really focus on the power potential with him. So, but they go on to say here, however, Anthony struggled with swing and miss, swing and miss issues over the showcase circuit, circuit, I cannot talk, which raised questions about his pure hitting ability. He made more contact this past spring as a three-hole hitter for one of the best high school teams in the country and led all hitters with seven hits at USA Baseball's National High School Invitational. So, again, kind of gives me those vibes of Blaze Jordan a little bit. Tons of power. Um, so... That's what real Heim Bloom went for here with the first few picks. He went for a lot of upside. He went for just raw potential. And uh, he's trying to start building, because that's what they need to start doing as well. The Red Sox farm system is looking a little better as of late, but they need to continue to keep beefing up the lower part of that farm system, right? The A balls, the rookie balls, right? You got to start filling up that those spots spots there they got a couple of other guys down there that are really starting to produce but he he went with three upside guys and I think for the rest of this draft I think you're going to see some high school prep players sprinkled in but I think you're going to start seeing because he's saving money with with these picks I do think he's going to be able to get all of these picks under slot I think he's going to start going for some more upside guys as well some guys that might be a little harder to sign, but he'll be able to offer more money to those players. And I think he's going to get some college players in here as well. Um, I, I like the start to the draft. I, I was a little underwhelmed a little bit um, with Mikey Romero. I don't mind Mikey Romero. I, I, I think, you know, hey, whatever. I don't mind it. It never hurts to add middle infield to your farm system. But um, I was kind of a little, not want to say disappointed, because I do like the pick, but I think, I think I'm more uh, thinking about Brock Porter. He ended up not getting taken at all yesterday, and people are wondering if it's the signability, where I don't think there's an injury involved. I was speculating last night where, like, okay, is there something going on with this guy, like, you know, maybe health-wise, but no, because he is committed to Clemson, so I think he was looking for some pretty good money and I think teams were a little scared at him at being able to sign him so I imagine the Red Sox probably saw his name and they but they probably thought all right well I don't know if we're gonna be able to sign him you know this is what we have at this spot at number 24 this is the slot value so the Red Sox probably thought no I don't think we're gonna be able to sign this guy so uh, it would have been cool if we could have had Brock Porter fall to our laps at 24 I mean, to me, I had him going in the top. I think I had him going at number 11 to the Mets in my mock draft. But um, he was one of the better pitchers in this draft. And the fact that he didn't go is a little surprising. I was kind of hoping we could get him at 24. But a little, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed, but I was kind of just hoping at least, you know, we could have gotten a picture in there. You know, we had we did have some other guys on the board at that point that went after him. Um 
I, you did have. Let me go actually back to the. Hold on a second. Let's go here. So here were the guys that were picked after Mikey Romero. You had Spencer Jones, Noah Schultz, Eric Brown Jr., Drew Gilbert. Xavier Isaac is the one guy I was talking about with the Rays who has just all the power in the world. Uh, Reggie Crawford, who is another two-way player out of Connecticut. That, I thought, could have been an interesting pick. You remember you took Matt Barnes. Uh, he, went, he went to Connecticut years back. I think Reggie Crawford could have been a pretty fun pick. Um, Drew Gilbert, I really like Drew Gilbert. He went to the Astros. I thought he actually would have gone to the Blue Jays before the Red Sox, but the Blue Jays ended up taking Brandon Barrera. So, um, anyway, I, I, again, I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed, but there were some other players I liked a little bit more than Romero. If we go to here to the second round, um, let's go to the compensation round. In the compensation round, you had Sterling Thompson and Sal Stewart go to the Rockies and the Reds. If you go to the competitive balance round, Dylan Beavers was a guy I thought was a pretty fun one. There is some things with the hitting that he needs to improve, but he has good power. Uh, in this round, you had Robbie Snelling go to the Padres. I thought the Padres did a pretty good job adding Dylan Lesko and Robbie Snelling. Uh, two very good pitchers out of high school. Jordan Beck went to the Rockies with the 38th pick. I thought he could, kind of like uh, Drew Waters out of Tennessee. Another fun player out of there. Um if we take a look at just round two, uh, if I'm looking at some of these guys that Connor Prelip, I thought could have been an interesting ad for the Red Sox. He was ranked at number 25. Uh, so that would have been a guy I would have been okay with if they, if they went with him. Uh, you had Peyton Graham out of college, but I'm sure he, if he was on their board, uh, if Mikey Romero was the guy they ended up picking, I would imagine Peyton Graham shortstop out of Oklahoma was another guy that the Red Sox possibly considered. Um, Henry Boldy, that was another guy. Uh, he was an outfielder out of California. The Red Sox liked their West Coast, those guys on the West Coast, Nick York, Marcelo Mayer, and now Mikey Romero. They all came from the West Coast. So Henry Boldy was another guy on the West Coast. He went to Palo Alto High School in California. He was an outfielder. He has a lot of potential, man. A lot of upside, good athlete. Uh, on Baseball America has a hit tool of 40 and a power tool of 60. So I would have been pretty stoked with that pick. And he was actually ranked higher than Mikey Romero. Um, so I would have I would have loved that pick, honestly. I thought that would have been a pretty nice, aggressive pick there. But honestly, it wouldn't have been that. It, Mikey Romero was more aggressive of a pick at number 24. I, th I thought Henry Boldy would have been a pretty nice one. Um, you know, taking a look at some other guys, Brock Jones, he went to the Rays as well. Brock Jones, man. Oh, he's really, he's got a lot of power, man. Oh man. Oh man. Went to Stanford. This dude kind of reminds me of Tyler O'Neill from the left side. Kind of has just that stockiness to him. Brock Jones, I would have been stoked with. He was number 33, but again, I think just Hein Bloom, he was going for upside. Um, I personally, I would have liked a few more players instead of Mikey Romero. Nothing against him. I think he could end up being a really good player. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, who am I? I'm just a dope sitting at my desk. I don't know any. I don't know anything about evaluating players. But um, according to the scouting reports, Henry Boldy was a guy I would have liked. Maybe they had him on their board, but maybe there was something signability-wise. But he ended up, the A's ended up taking him at 56. So, I don't know. Maybe they didn't think he was worth that money. I don't know. Uh, I would have been really cool with Connor Prelip. 
uh, picture out of Alabama. I thought that would have been a nice picture to add. Um, but yeah, you know, for the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox, they passed on Connor Prelip a couple of times. Prelip went number 48 to the Minnesota Twins. So I don't know. I guess they didn't like him. And uh, we go to the competitive balance round B. Jude Fabian, who they drafted last year, he ended up getting drafted here to the Orioles. Um, you know, there, there are some good players on this board. I think I, w- I personally would have went with instead of Mikey Romero at number 24 because you just went with a middle infielder the last couple of years out of high school. I don't know. It would have been nice to maybe see something different, but I trust Heim. You know, at the end of the day, you're adding good talent, and if he feels like Mikey Romero is a good talent, then I'm going to trust him. I personally would have went with something different, but that's just me. Um, Everyone, that is it for today's show. I'm going to get out of here. For those of you that are with me here on YouTube, I will be jumping in on Stark Raving Sports live stream. He's actually has a has a live stream going on right now. Stark Raving Sports, one of the bigger uh baseball channels out here on YouTube. Go check it out. He is streaming right now. He's doing like a big long show, uh kind of just like a celebration of baseball stream and uh I'm going to be hopping on there. Giraffe Neck Mark is going to be hopping on later. Uh he's going to have some some bigger names on his show for today. So uh, I'll be joining in at 2.30, so uh, definitely go check it out. But um, everyone, I want to thank you for coming out for episode 12 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Don't forget about our sponsors uh, with Bet Online. Uh, we have SeatGeek as well. Use my code HIDE, $20 off for your first purchase. For Bet Online, the code is Believe, B L E A V. They give you a 50% welcome bonus on whatever donation that you make. And don't forget about Prize Picks, a 100% deposit match if you use my code Ginger. But everyone, I'm going to get out of here. We're in the All Star break. We can kind of take a step back from baseball a little bit. We've got the Home Run Derby tonight, got the All Star game tomorrow, uh, day off on Wednesday, and then we're back into it for the weekend. So. Everyone, uh, stay tuned for episode 13 of Believe in Red Sox. Go check out the Believe in Podcast Network. Go see if any of your other teams have a podcast out there that might be worth listening to. So, everyone, go have yourself a dandy of a day. Enjoy the home run derby for tonight. And I'll talk to you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.